Angie and Carly, two moms with two kids and two different types of cancer, lung and breast. They first met back in 2003 as AmeriCorps Promise Fellows in Boston, Massachusetts as struggling college graduates trying to find their way. Fast forward 16 years later, Angie's in Switzerland and Carly's in London, and they find their friendship reunited by cancer. Join these moms as they navigate through what it takes to heal themselves while raising kids in an expat world. Hey, Andy, how's it going? How's it going, Andy? <laughs> it's going, yeah. going. It's going, oh, that's good. I'm actually sat here in my lounge. I've got my exercise ball out, and I decided I would stretch while we were chatting. So I'm going to be moving around doing some fitness ball activities with my legs, you know, because obviously we're talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month this month, aren't we? Um, yes. Yeah. I, I have to warn you that um, I'm on my hospital bed okay <laughs> and uh, there might there might be nurses nurses coming in and out uh throughout this episode so if you hear any knocking or anybody um yeah asking questions or okay. it, it's because of that yeah, yeah yeah so there's there's basically a lot going on that I guess you could say um yeah but I'll just be stretching you'll be like on the brink of like oh my goodness someone's at the door <laughs> who is it what do they want <laughs> Totally yeah. different thing. Um, but yeah, part of, uh, you know, my segue into talking about Breast Cancer Month um, was, you know, stretching with an exercise ball. And obviously one thing that I've learned along my journey is just the the amount of flexibility that I've lost, you know, all this joint pain, bone pain, et cetera, from various drugs, treatments, so on, as I'm sure you understand. Like when I think of Breast well, Cancer Month, I think of, dang, I need to stretch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get that body moving. Um yeah, so, yeah, I guess Breast Cancer Month is happening. I guess I'll ask your opinion about it first, actually, from a, from an Angie perspective. Uh, yeah, so. It's funny, it's funny because, like, growing up, you know, like, that was always the thing, you know, uh, running for breast cancer, marathons for breast cancer, even, like, you know, buying food, proceeds go to breast cancer. Like, breast cancer, really, that was just at the forefront of everything. And now mm. being in a cancer community per se you know like the lung yeah. cancer community you kind of feel like the the ugly stepchild <laughs> oh yeah i see what you're saying you're like hey breast cancer gets to have like all the you know notoriety and you know like all the all the all the good stuff and we're just kind of here like okay guys we exist too i mean i know you know october is is your month and it's your oh. It, I mean, not my like month, like, but, you know, yeah. No, yeah, but it seems like it's just, like, throughout the year, you know? Like, you guys get yeah. to have, like, a whole year. And yeah. um, and, and you see that a lot. Uh, yeah, and I think, um, I mean, I think that's an interesting conversation, actually, because, um, you know, I, I've done some of those charity races or, or things like that, not having, you know, before I had breast cancer or whatever. Um, but the, uh, the interesting thing that I find, I guess, in the lung cancer front is... I think a lot of people tend to get sort of lung cancer later stage, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. They're older, and also I think there's kind of a stigma attached to it where people think, "Oh, you've got lung cancer because you smoke." That sort of a yeah. thing, 
really. Yeah. And yeah, why, why should I be running for you when you did this to yourself? Yeah, and I think I think that is the stigma that is attached with lung cancer. And obviously, um, I'm not saying that's why they don't make a big deal awareness-wise, or there's not as much like attention to it. But I think the stigma exists, and I think you're the you're the example of you're the absolute example of what lung cancer normally isn't, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Because um, you weren't a smoker, right? Yeah, no, 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 and you were diagnosed young, so you're still, <laughs> you're quite young, and I think generally, I think generally the um, the folks that tend to get diagnosed with lung cancer tend to be older white men. Is that right? Yeah, I mean they start screening for it when you're like fifty five. Okay, so, yeah. So I still have a ways to go before I reach fifty five. <laughs> yeah, and you're also not male, so they wouldn't expect it in a younger female. Yeah. Either, I think. Yeah, they wouldn't expect it in a yeah a younger black female who's fit. And and all of that. So, yeah, um, that is no, true. We exist. We exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously, no, more funding needs to be put forth um, through to lung cancer and attention because it's not always someone that smokes that gets it or someone that's older. And regardless of how they've actually got it, it doesn't mean people shouldn't be yeah. Yeah, aware. Exactly. Of and it doesn't even mean that, like, okay, so what? You know, maybe you were a smoker when you were younger. Oh, and, yeah, you know, and you do end up getting it. Doesn't mean that you should die because of, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's still, yeah. it's still like a, a devastating yeah. disease. But you know, um, my birthday just passed, and yeah. I had a fundraiser for yeah. um my lung cancer community, like my Ross One group, and we I, raised over. I raised. I say we. Uh, yeah. Um, I raised over six thousand two hundred and plus dollars. Right. Um, you know, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a drop in the bucket. It's it's barely a dent, but it made me feel like I was doing something. You know, like I was I was being proactive. Yeah, so, yeah, and I think nice. that's that's the way to be to be be proactive. Um, yeah. So obviously, lung cancer is underfunded and not attention is brought to it. I think part of it is the stigmas that are attached to it. But as we just said. There shouldn't be those stigmas. You shouldn't punish people for potential <laughs> things that they might have done yeah. when they were younger or doing now. But also, I mean, and especially, um, especially since that smoking in general is a risk factor for any kind of cancer, you know? So exactly. it's like yeah. you can get, you know, it could be a huge factor as to like, you know, why you had breast cancer or colon cancer or any kind of cancer. But it's just oh. that, you know, lung is just, that's a direct correlation. So. I think also yeah. that's why it gets like such a bigger stigma. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I myself, I myself, I'm not a smoker, but um, but yeah, I don't think people should be undermined because of of something that they've taken on or if they haven't taken on, which is in your case. Um, so yeah, and then also what, I, what I'm learning with breast cancer too is that, um, you know, there's like the primary and the secondary breast cancer, yeah. and the one that's like more popular for the fundraising is. Mm -hmm you know the what the primary one where it's or the one where like you know it's like a earlier stage so you have like a higher chance of survival so it's more yeah it's not as it's not as sexy i guess you can say as as yeah, um, yeah. secondary breast cancer but anyway you you can talk more about that because yeah actually that's what i actually wanted to talk a lot about so when i first got involved in the breast cancer awareness month sort of things like i said i was doing the charity races or 
on the other side, so to speak, as everyone knows. Um, then I joined the pink team, I guess you could say. Um, funny enough, pink was always my favorite color um, growing up as a girl. I did go through a purple stage as well, but pink has always been my thing. Um, <laughs> it's my youngest daughter's thing, but my eldest daughter is now gone off the pink. <laughs> she's, oh, really? off the pink. Okay. she's off the pink. She's getting older. She's getting more independent and turning into a teenager, or a teenager, I guess you could say. She's not even close to being a teenager, but it comes out, let me tell you. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, yeah, so that was my kind of exposure to pink, so to speak. And then I remember when I was first diagnosed, um, I didn't really, I got kind of annoyed with pink, actually. I started to hate pink for a bit because Breast Cancer Awareness Month is everywhere, really. So I was diagnosed in June. I was still doing chemo in, in October when it is. And I think I was a bit angry with it, really. Um, I just thought pink used to be my color. And it's obviously, it's not just about pink, though. It's not as pink and fluffy as we make it out to be. It's yeah. not sexy, so it's not sexy, to, so to speak, like Angie. <laughs> you know, just, uh, there's nothing sexy about breast cancer, let me tell you. Um, yeah. They play it up like it's this pink and fluffy cancer and everybody will be better and, you know, there's a cure. Or there's not actually a cure, but anyway, it just it's portrayed in the media in a funny way and you get companies that will, they'll, you know, take a profit and then they'll, or make some money and then they'll add a, percentage onto the breast cancer or everybody kind of hops on the bandwagon so to speak yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually so really I funny to see like who how yeah it is actually yeah it is it seems like it's everybody doesn't it Hi, Angie. How's it going again? Um, so we were talking about jumping on the bandwagon, the breast cancer bandwagon, and the companies yeah. that seem to be hopping on it, really. I guess it'd be a train, a wagon, I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, as you said, it's, it's interesting to see who's hopped on that sort of bandwagon, isn't it, really? Yeah, we can call it the breast cancer bus. Yeah, the press cancer. Yeah, I thought we didn't want people on our to join our bus or our team or whatever. I'll have to look at the ending of what we say in our podcast again. Um, but yeah, there's lots of different companies that have joined on, and I think it's great for raising awareness. I get that, but um, I think the main thing is as long as it's attached to actually checking your boobs or checking your breasts or what have you. Um, I mean, we're we're now ambassadors to check your lemons. Um, uh, or know your lemons, sorry, um, because that actually gives you the educational information on how to check your breasts. Um, so I'm all happy with the pink and the fluffy stuff, but if there's no education attached to it, um, then mm -hmm. it's actually quite pointless. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, which no one knows what they're looking for. If people were to raise their hands and you were to, you know, ask people to raise their hands in a room, 
people wouldn't know what to look for. They wouldn't know when to look, that sort of a stuff. Um, so mm. check out our Instagram at Mommy Had a Little Cancer if you'd like to learn more about that because we are Know Your Lemon ambassadors. Um, but also, yeah, I used to remember getting annoyed about this thing that was going on on Facebook where somebody sends you a heart and that's supposed to be like breast cancer awareness. And I just didn't quite get the att- understand the attachment to that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, I mean, people thought to me before, but then also after I'd, I was diagnosed and I was just thinking, hmm, that's a bit ignorant, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so that didn't quite work. Like, it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? What do I do with this heart? Yeah, I love you too. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was a pink heart and it was part of that thing that's going around. So oftentimes there are things that are going around, whether it's in the media or what have you. And I'm all about awareness. I think awareness is a great thing. Um, I think it just needs to be attached to an educational component so people yeah. kind of know what to do once they're trying to raise awareness for something. Um, and you also, like, if you're raising money, you also want to know where that money's going as well, don't you? If you're giving to yeah, something. Exactly. So it's always just um, things to um, check out, I guess you could say. Um, but, yeah, I think you raised actually a good point. And I'm, I'm realizing this more and more is, um, I guess I'm getting into Instagram slightly. I won't admit it, so you didn't hear that. <laughs> um, well, that's <laughs> Um, you know, still a bit old fashioned here, but I'm, I'm getting down with the kids. <laughs> um, so, um, but the, uh, yeah, I'm down with the kids, Andy. There you go. Um, but the, um, the whole secondary breast cancer, um, thing. So obviously I had primary breast cancer and it spread to my lymph nodes and in my bloodstream. Um, I must feel like sometimes I'm taking time bomb because I mean, with that, knowing that, um, you know, the chances are pretty high that it might come back in a, another form, so to speak. Mm. Knock on wood, mm-hmm. I don't know that yet, but it will, could possibly at some stage, and I'm ready if, if you know it happens. Um, but 30% of women that are diagnosed with breast cancer, breast cancer or men go on to have secondary breast cancer. And I did a video actually on our Instagram as well, not to bring it back to our Instagram, but just oftentimes I don't think people understand what a secondary or metatastic or meta, I don't even know how to say that word, actually, to be honest. Um, yeah, when it's metastasis. Can you explain to us, please? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, by, by all means, I'm, I'm no expert, but this is the way I understand it. Um, so say if somebody was diagnosed with lung cancer or breast cancer or another sort of cancer, um, so to speak. I'll just use those two because that's what we're talking about <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for reference. Um, but you get, you know, in your breast, you get the breast cancer cells and your lung, you get the lung cancer cells. And basically what those cells do is they travel through the bloodstream, as I mentioned, or they could possibly travel through your lymph nodes, like they might pass the lymph nodes. So once they get past the lymph nodes, which are supposed to stop stop things or what have you, um, then they can go into vital organs and things like that. Um, so for breast cancer, it tends to go to the skin, brain, lungs, or the bones. Um, mm-hmm. Lung cancer, is that sort of similar as well? Or is it? Yeah, lung cancer, yeah. Well, because lung cancer is usually diagnosed at a late stage. Mm-hmm. So you're already staged, by the time they find it, you're already stage three or four. So that yeah. it's already metastasized and it's already spread too um in my case it was already spread to my bones and my mm-hmm. brain okay yeah um, so and yeah now my lymph nodes yeah so, um yeah so that's the, that, that's what it is for breast for yeah for lung cancer. lung cancer yeah and I've also actually had there was a situation where a lady had it in her eye as well with breast cancer oh, and wow. unfortunately she had she had passed it away passed away but um yeah these sort of sneaky cells these cheeky cells as we want to call it they do some 
they they do often sometimes spread. And I think, I mean, from from the way I get it, it's like obviously you've got these cells that might have spread. I mean, I could have one in my body somewhere. You could have one in your body right now, unless you've had a pet pet scan recently. But that could change on the day as well. You could have a PET scan, be clear one day, and the next day, you know, yeah. these cells activated. But I take it that these cells could be in our bodies, and at one point they just sort of activate somehow. I don't know how that works. Um, but somehow, you know, they could be there already, but then one day they just say, all right, I'm going to do this cancer thing now. You know, <laughs> here I am. Um, <laughs> but obviously there's more, there's, more, there's more science to that, and I'm yeah. definitely not a doctor. <laughs> Although imagine, sometimes imagine I feel- an oncologist. <laughs> sometimes I feel like like, you know sometimes do you ever feel like I mean having had something because obviously you kind of want to be in the know don't you so I'm like yeah "Yeah, I kind of know more than I want so you know if people have a question about breast cancer I could possibly answer it to be honest Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think you're the same for lung cancer as well really although we're not we're not doctors are we we're not doctors definitely Um, but anyway school of life is our yeah the school of life yeah but anyway with this funding so the lack of funding for secondary breast cancer is lacking. It's just lacking all around. Mm-hmm. And I've um, petitioned for a drug um, through my local MP and then also for more funding through my local MP this month as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, it's just people are left to their own devices. So basically, you feel like you have any symptoms, go and get checked, that sort of a thing. Kind of actually, I mean, from my perspective, it just kind of leaves you hanging. Like, so okay, I might have. It's like once you leave, once you pass the five-year mark where you're considered in remission, and then you get secondary breast cancer, it's just like, okay, just come back and check, you know, to see that it's not progressing or that they can do something about it. Um, I mean, generally, it's um, it's basically okay. You've had your primary breast cancer. Um, after you finished your active treatment or whatever it is, some people active treatment is a bit longer. Like, you know, I'm on the you know after your chemotherapy radiotherapy that sort of a thing and then throughout the whole process they just tell you to know your body um so I've never had any scans like full body scans since I've been diagnosed I've only ever had a scan if I had a symptom to go with it Mm. and that's Mm. the way they'll check it so if you don't generally they say wait for two weeks wait for three weeks then go get a check if the pain still persists if um if you know medication or paracetamol or whatever isn't isn't working for that from but from my understanding from that and from some people's experience that I've heard of they don't oftentimes have symptoms Mm -hmm. that are like noticeable um I think was that the case for you like you obviously had yeah I mean the thing is I had symptoms that were not I didn't have symptoms until I was obviously late stage because by the time I noticed my symptoms like I started noticing my symptoms like August 2019 no, 2018. Yeah. And then I was diagnosed finally in May of 2019. And so yeah. it was like so a whole so six months. And then, and it was already, no, more than six months. Wait, August, uh, September, October, November, yeah. December, January, February, March, April. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nine months. <laughs> nine months. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, you know, the, the time it takes to, for a baby to gestate in your body. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so obviously yeah, no, by that nobody was a cancer baby. But did yeah. you have symptoms in your brain or in your bones? Because that's what people with secondaries yeah, no. are. I mean, I, I had some headaches here and there, but I didn't, you know, attribute that to anything um, dangerous. It could be hormones, yeah. right? Yeah. They would say, oh, it could be hormones or, oh, it could be tension headaches yeah. or yeah. whatever. And then in your bones, did you have any symptoms um, no. that you would 
I'm asking these questions just to sort of educate people because there's a lot of people in this country and in your country and in the world just <laughs> they're waiting for these symptoms to yeah, appear. Yeah, so to don't speak. wait, but, don't wait for the symptoms to appear yeah. because. Uh, but what you're saying though is, um, what you're saying though is they don't necessarily always appear. Yeah, you might not have yeah, a symptom. Yeah. For example, you didn't really, you might have noticed an odd headache in your brain. Um, you know, you didn't really notice anything in your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So therefore, somebody could unknowingly have secondary secondary cancer and and not know it. Um, but not yeah, that we're I mean, to scare you guys. <laughs> Yeah, not that we're trying to scare you. No, I, I mean, I try not to think about this sort of stuff often because yeah. if you put too much thoughts and feelings on it, then you're going to start worrying, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And it's not like you're going to yeah, find a doctor who's going to willingly, because these tests, these scans are expensive. So they're going to try to yeah, avoid yeah, yeah. doing them as much as possible, you know, until like, they're going to go down the list of all other possible options before, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I suppose what we know is cancer doesn't wait, does it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just say... They've got to rule this out, rule yeah. that out. Okay. Yeah. They're not going to let it out, are they? Yeah. And I think that's the, I mean, I've also, I mean, I've heard the thing where they don't want you to be exposed to too much radiation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, with the, the scans or what have you, so they go down all these different, mes- you know, different things or what have you. Because mm-hmm. having too much radiation could increase your chances of having cancer. But then I'm always like, well, I think I'd rather just know if I have it now and then we'll worry about that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think you made a good point, though, Angie. It's about the money and obviously having the symptoms, although some people don't have symptoms. And that's where, with the whole breast cancer awareness thing, I think it's it's almost like misleading, to be honest, mm. where we're talking about the primary cancers, but 31 people die a day in the UK from secondary breast cancer. Mm. Uh, so it is, it, is, it is getting to be, you know, it's three out of 10 people go on to have secondary breast cancer. So it is something that is underfunded. Yeah. Um, there is a lack of research and that is the area that is lacking. So it is all about this primary, but I think so, 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 the so If somebody perception... wants to have, wants to, you know, donate and wants to be like active and help out in the breast cancer community, like what, what should they do? Like how, how can they make sure that they're donating to the right place or, you know, that their money's going to the right thing. Yeah. So there's, um, there's a few different organizations and I don't know them off the top of my head actually, but I know there was a campaign called make seconds count. Um, there was also something called MPC, which deals with uh, metatastic something, breast cancer, something and in what have you, but I do have, um, I think I do have some stuff on Instagram Sorry to go back there again. That would be more specific. You and Instagram. Um, and then, <laughs> I know. Well, it's all about finding the right things. I don't want to throw people off the wrong hole. No, I mean, breast we, cancer. We can, we can put cancer, it on the show notes. Um, yeah, yeah. So Cancer Research UK does different, you know, trials or things that people can always look up if, if they are, you know, at the breast cancer stage, they can look up a trial for themselves also, um, you know, to take part in. But also those... Um, there's other sites. So we'll put it in the show notes yeah. actually, but I don't want to, I'm not, I can't really, I guess what I'm saying is I can't really promote one because yeah. I, um, yeah. you know, I'm not in, in a position to do that, but I'd love to have actually someone on the show talk about secondary breast cancer. Um, there's a few people that I've been following on Instagram. Um, sorry to go there again, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to have them on the show just to talk about it. Um, particularly I, maybe this month actually, because it is, you know, the month of the pink or what have mm-hmm. you. But I think that just goes to show that, um, Oftentimes there is sort of not misleading information, but um, it's kind of if you're investing in something or putting your money somewhere, just make sure you know where it's going and, and what's important to you. So for me, 
people will say, okay, Carly, where would I give money to, mm-hmm. you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month? Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would say primarily to education, mm-hmm. um, organizations like Cup of Feel or Know Your Lemons, mm-hmm. where people are raising awareness in an educational way. And then also for the research. So obviously you've got Cancer Research UK. Mm-hmm. They do different trials. A lot of them are on halt right now or underfunded due to COVID-19. Um, but also Breast Cancer Now, um, which they've partnered up with Breast Cancer Care. So they do care and support, and they also do research. Um, mm-hmm. I would probably put my money in the main ones. Mm-hmm. But then I think also, I think the thing with having secondaries is people really need that support as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is where these campaigns like Make Seconds Count and these other campaigns um, need to sort of get more awareness. And I think it's starting to happen because... There's a lady that does a TV show um, called Lorraine. It's on at 10.30, I think, um, every weekday. And she's been focusing on Breast Cancer Month through the change and check thing. Um, and I believe I posted that on Instagram. Sorry, everyone, with the hashtag, with the video. Mm-hmm. And um, she had people on the show, um, you know, talk about secondary breast cancer. So mm-hmm. I guess if I were to sum up this month, like, I used to hate it. I just really got annoyed mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> But then um, I'm okay with it now because I'm in a better place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all about how you're feeling, where you're yeah. at, so that sort of a thing. And I've also, I mean, I've done an event um, for Copperfield or in, on behalf of Copperfield to raise awareness about, you know, checking your symptoms or what have you. I did one last year, um, definitely when I was in a better place mm-hmm. and um, did it in November. So I didn't follow the rules for October <laughs> per se. Um but um, since then, actually, a few people have come up to me and, and told me that their friends have had breast cancer or were diagnosed and have asked for input or advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm not an expert, but I have kind of learned the ropes. Yeah. So I'm happy to share my experience to help someone else, if that makes yeah. sense. So I think that's part of the advocacy that comes comes with it, really. So it's not like promote. I'm not promoting anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only share yeah. Experience, if that makes sense, to hopefully help someone else. I mean, that's what we hope to do, Angie, yeah. don't we? We want to save someone from coming on this side of the team, really. And if they do end up on this side of the team, that it's still okay and that, you know, you can yeah. still live your life. Exactly. So that's that's sort of what we do. That's our advocacy, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. You can still exactly. live your life. Yeah. The last time we talked, so, uh, I was yeah. in my first session of chemo. And yeah. I just finished my last session of chemo. Um, All right. Hip, hip. Hey, don't, don't carry on. Let's have a celebration. <laughs> I'm doing a little with my ball. <laughs> my exercise ball, everybody. I'm kicking it around, stretching. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I was, it was supposed to be four rounds of chemo. And um, my oncologist said that my body was reacting so well that they decided to just okay. do two more rounds, you know, just to, to, to make sure that they got everything. And to, with, with that specific chemo I was doing, you're only allowed six rounds or, you know, after that, okay. um, it loses its efficacy and it does more damage than good. Okay. So, um, okay. Yeah. But it was definitely, it's funny because I didn't think chemo would be something that I would have to do so soon. Or at right. all, because you know when you but when you think about cancer, that's the first thing you think about. Oh my gosh, chemotherapy! You lose your hair. You you know, like you you see the typical uh-huh. cancer patient. But because I had this mutation and I was taking the targeted therapy pill, and you know they told me that 
you know, this is your form of chemo, so you don't have to, it, it, it's not going to be the traditional sense. Um, but, you know, as right. you know, with um, cancer can be very unpredictable and a lot of things can happen. And so that's what, yeah, that's that's what happened true. in my case. And the, the morphology changed. Uh, so basically it went from a non-small cell lung cancer to certain parts being a large cell neuroendocrine, which is different to what my medication was targeting. So I had to have chemo to, okay. to deal with it. Yeah. And so I did. And um, the chemo worked. Um, it cleared my lungs. And, yeah. you know, we're happy about that. But then, of course, it's like, you know, you can't, it can't just be good news just all around. And, you know, that's it. Huge sigh of relief. So the reason why right. I'm in the hospital is because, um, like, right after my, no, like, I had maybe 10 more days left in my chemo cycle, and I felt a lump yeah. on my back, another lump, where I had the radiation right. um, um, in last April, and so this lump, they didn't know what it was, so I did a biopsy, and the biopsy came out negative, then I did another biopsy, like, 10 days later, and, you know, they were so sure that it was it had to be cancer related because like what else could it be um and it wasn't so it's um we're trying to figure out what <laughs> what this lump is it's not right an infection. I don't have a fever it's not um all the lab tests are showing that there are no cancer cells so you okay. know, I'm thinking maybe it might be like a secondary effect of radiation and that you know mm-hmm. maybe like I've developed some kind of fibrosis or like with scar tissue and stuff okay. like that. We're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's 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 crazy because I'm in the hospital now and this like second wave of COVID is really hitting Switzerland. Geneva, is yeah. It? Yeah. Like this um okay. this yeah. this weekend they said they had a surge of like hundred and forty six percent. yeah. Oh wow. Um, and including oh, like wow. doctors and nurses that are getting sick too from COVID. So there's seriously like understaffed oh, wow. and it's yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy to see, you know, how like during the winter months, like when it starts getting colder and people can't socially distance as much and you have to close the windows and you know how that's gonna impact mm. um everything. So it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit daunting when you think about it, but you know. Yeah, it's a it sounds like um it's a different time to really be in the hospital really. So obviously there's visitor restrictions yeah. and when you're in the hospital, you've got to worry about your safety and security and, um, you know, making sure the staff are, you know, they've got all their gear on, so to speak, um, and, and face masks and things like that. And it's probably, does it, does it, it probably just gives like an eerie feeling. Like, remember when COVID first came out and it's just like this, everything just seemed to kind of go gray for mm-hmm. some reason because everybody was like looking miserable or sad or whatever. Like people wouldn't even look at you in the eye when you walked <laughs> down the road. Um, that sort of a thing like Ooh, don't look at me it might pass on that that sort of a thing but I think then there was a little time where people perked yeah. up a bit really in the sum- yeah in the summertime they- you know I- things kind of relaxed a little bit and you know so. yeah but I think it also depends on where you where you are where you live and you know even in yeah. the states yeah know, I mean like certain when you compare like New York to say Florida <laughs> or- <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and then, I mean, then there was just people that have been in denial about the whole thing and think it's a theory and whatever. Mm-hmm. So you do get, 
you do get full, you know, full things across the spectrum. But I suppose for you, it's, um, you know, taking it back to you, it's probably not an ideal time to be in the hospital because obviously it's a bit eerie and, you know, you can't have as many visitors or what have you. Yeah, although, yeah. And, you know, my kids were coming to see me yeah. up until this week. Now I'm like, I don't want them coming because, you know, I don't want to... Uh them to be exposed even though they go to school and they don't wear masks at school because they're under under yeah, yeah. 10 years old so they're not they're not required to yeah. and luckily still with COVID it yeah. doesn't affect kids as much as it does adults but um but yeah it's still, it's still not something to, to play around with yeah and I think um just going to you know back to the kids or what have you with uh, COVID and, and cancer or what have you uh, I think for me like throughout this whole situation because it is a bit bizarre isn't it it's going to be in the history books I don't know how they're <laughs> going to write it how <laughs> it's going to go down it's going to be kind of like a roller coaster really up and down the stories but hopefully someone will write it in a way that the future generations can learn from it um, or maybe they can now at the moment I don't know but um, just trying to create that sort of normalcy with, with mm-hmm. children um, during a crisis or during a situation where it's it's not normal. And I think for us, really, I mean, obviously you've had to navigate how you do things and the children are really aware of COVID and all that sort of things. But I mean, our next thing for my children was mm. Halloween. Are you guys <laughs> we do for trick-or-treating. I think it's canceled in our house. Um, it's pretty much canceled, yeah. But we might do something, and I'm not sure, where people in my neighborhood might put out a picture mm-hmm. of a pumpkin and then you basically walk around and you give them a sweet when you see a pumpkin on somebody's house. So you don't go to the person's oh, house, oh. but you. So the, so the candy comes to you. you. The candy yourself. comes to you. Yeah, the candy comes to you. So mom has, mommy has candy and then mommy gives you a sweet when you spot a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, here in, in London, you've got to, you can be in a maximum group of mm-hmm. six people um, and you can still be with people with your other household will keep it just to our household mm-hmm. or what have you um and uh you know you can't mix indoors and things like that and yeah my girls were really worried mm-hmm. about halloween that was one of the things that was popping up and i was actually not going to cancel it but i was just going to kind of do things in the house mm-hmm. or what have you but then yesterday they really were going on about it because my eldest is doing something in her dance class where she could mm-hmm. wear a costume she's just going to wear something nice and then my other one is like oh my gosh when's Halloween you know <laughs> the little one's like when's Halloween is it tomorrow <laughs> like she's not worried about Halloween before she goes to bed <laughs> so I'm like okay so yeah I think um I think the thing with that though is um you know going back to sort of normalcy and and that sort of a thing that's always something that I've tried to do on on the cancer journey with the children is create try and make it as normal as possible and there are times when it's just not really but there are I mean, luckily, like due to te- technology mm. and other things, we can talk to our children. Yeah, can't we? and then, um, and then so yeah, what you were saying about you know making it as normal for them, or you know having them involved in the process. Because mm. I know, like for my, yeah, when I started losing my hair, um, it was just coming out in chunks. Yeah. Just like you know, I would I would just run my hands through my head, and it would just all come out. And so you know, and I could mm. see that that would become a problem for my kids. You know, all of a sudden, I'm like, I look like, uh, mm. what's that? Um, the goblin from Lord of the Rings or whatever that, that oh that yeah yeah guy. okay yeah <laughs> I was like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did a video of, of of them um you know helping me just like take my hair off it became just like a whole family thing so you know they were brushing my hair off and then my husband ended up shaving it and you know I rocked the baldy for a couple months 
and then I kept shaving it every week, actually, um, until I was okay. chemo, and now I'm letting it grow. But get this, it's it's going it's growing yeah. back straight, straight and white, okay. straight and white. Okay, I had I had black okay, curly yeah. hair. Now I have straight white hair. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Okay, and I mean that's the um that's the funny thing with chemo, isn't it? Because some people um. They might have pin straight hair and it comes back curly. I remember having the gray stage actually. So it was starting to get a bit gray when it was coming in mm-hmm. and sort of straight and it was thicker than normal actually, but then it, it did, the color did actually come back. So I think it probably will come back for you. Uh, it might just, it has to get past it for sort of stage. And I think some people shave their head a lot. I sort of, I don't think I did actually um, when it was growing back, but I did get it, you know, cut or trimmed or what mm-hmm. have you, because I actually, my hair grew back. It, I still had straight hair, but my hair was mm. thicker than it normally would. So it would be more like carpet thick. But then when it grows back, it grows back in a funny way, particularly when it's straight, where it kind of doesn't grow long. It grows yeah, out. Yeah, it grows like <laughs> and, in um, a fuzzy way. Like you've got like fuzz all over your yeah. head. Yeah, it's like fuzzy. Yeah, fuzz, fuzz, lots of fuzz. Um, but then um, but then the color did um, come back. So I remember there were quite a few different transitional phases. Um, and then when I started the hormon- hormonal therapy drugs, that's when my hair started to thin a bit more. Um, so I kind of miss those days, actually, with my new thick hair. Because <laughs> I wouldn't mind having thick hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was just the, the drugs, The like when you're in the menopause, like on the Zolodex and then the tamoxifen drug that I was mm-hmm. on. Um, that sort of thins out your hair basically. So I've still got, I'm still on a, you know, the drug called Atrazole, which also thins your mm. hair and the Zolodex, not the Zolodex, sorry, the Zomato infusion do, does that as well. But my last one of those is in January. So maybe some thickness will come back. I don't think so though. Mm. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, you know, get that little bit of peach fuzz on the face, all sorts of good things to come, <laughs> come your way, Angie, with menopause. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I'm headed there. I haven't, since I started chemo, I haven't had my period. Yeah, okay. Well, it's you've only just finished, though, haven't you, really? So it's, yeah. I think mine must have came back, because I was on tamoxifen, it made it more like clockwork. Mm. But um, yeah, it might have stopped for a little bit, and then it did come back. And it doesn't okay. for everybody. That's just okay. the way it is. Um, and it doesn't for everybody. And I think you've had the conversation about, like, if you wanted more children and things like yeah, that, well, didn't I mean, you? That's, that's um, not in the picture anymore because yeah. um, with this yeah. therapy, uh, targeted therapy uh, pill that I have to take mm. daily, there are no studies yeah. really about the effects of what it does to the fetus. or you know, So it's, that's, yeah. not, that's not a risk I, I would willingly want to take. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's a tough decision as well. I mean, we're talking about it yeah. quite quickly, no, but it is, <laughs> it is a very, very tough decision. And because um, some people can, like, you know, they save their yeah. eggs or what yeah. have you, or get their eggs before they um, embryo something rather, and they get their yeah, eggs so it, they can harvest know, them later. But you told this before you start your treatment, you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're yeah, luck because it's. Yeah, yeah, and no, I don't think it's something that's really mm-hmm. talked about. I know my oncologist had asked me if I wanted any more children, and we had decided no um, before the cancer because the second was the last mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, not everybody's told this actually, and I don't. It's that's not, not right, is it? Especially for right. being diagnosed at a younger age or at a childbearing mm-hmm. age, and you know, it's something that you yeah you, you want in the future. 
and but you know but it's something like you have to i remember when i was diagnosed i was diagnosed in may and then the gynecologist came uh the next day and asked me you know if i planned on having more kids because if i did they would have to postpone the treatment for a month so that you know they could i could they could harvest my eggs and and freeze them and everything but you know in a in the cancer world a month could mean a lot you know sometimes you don't have a month yeah. to wait to 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 start the treatment yeah, yeah. I, I don't i don't think i would have waited a month actually i mean looking back because i have the aggressive mm, yeah. start really yeah. so i think maybe it would be too long which would be quite scary but at the end of the day like i don't know maybe they need to speed it up i don't know um if that's even possible just to give um people the opportunity and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about um you know with the stigmas of lung cancer older people getting it etc with with cancer nowadays people are they're younger actually and particularly for people that are at the childbearing stage um it's definitely a must that that conversation should happen and if it's not happening um then you need to go back to your oncologist or back to your surgeon or whoever it is and and have that conversation yeah, or they have to look at different um, options you know whether it's through surrogacy or you know donor eggs or things like that because yeah and i think in i think we talked about in one of our next shows we'd like to talk about like patient advocacy mm-hmm. and just speaking yes, up for yes. yourself that's a big thing um, i think that's something that is definitely going to be on the works for our next podcast because it is ever so important i think it's probably actually one of the most important things um yeah that i can think of really the days where like you know the doctor is seen as king and god and his word her word is is um is the word and you just take what they say and don't question anything you know now with like dr google and md Mm -hmm. and webmd and all these things it's like um you know we're becoming more aware becoming more knowledgeable of um your own conditions and then you can you can ask about all these other things i mean there comes a point where you know obviously they're still the experts and you know they'll they go to school it's not not for nothing that you go to school for like 10 million years to become a doctor but you know there is this side now where it's like you know you have to hold them accountable for 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 what's they're telling you what you know they're saying and um and what's happening to you yeah and I think um sometimes it's just a way of presenting the information really so being clear um about what what they're working on and and how they're going to about to solve it like I wouldn't say go check out google um for a diagnosis or other things google will always tell um, you google will always tell you that it's cancer no matter what yeah it's always quite scary that's what I'm getting at (laughs) yeah yeah so Google is actually quite scary so I wouldn't recommend it but I think once I mean for me like once I got on the once I was involved in the process of cancer and learning more etc because I'm the type of person I always want to know more information that's just who I am always you're the same aren't you (laughs) so you want to know um and I want to know more information so I can ask the right questions um and I've always been like that I mean cancer is not going to change me for that it's not going to change you for you but I think as as younger patients um and we'll probably leave Mm -hmm. it on this note Angie um something that we've had to do whether it's on the chemotherapy routes or in the early treatment process or wherever we were at is just sort of the advocate you know the advocacy process where you've got to kind of speak up for yourself 
um, to kind of get the answers that you want. Because I mean, the way I look at it, I've got mm -hmm. a goal, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, my goal, my goal, and I think we probably share the same mm -hmm. goal actually. So it's going to be quite exciting sharing mm -hmm. a goal together. My goal is to stay. My, my goal is to oh, stay alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I know what my goal is. And, uh, but yeah, I was just like, I think your goal is the same yeah. thing. Well, more specifically, you know, when you're making goals, right? It has yeah. to be very specific. It has to you be, should yeah, make it, it specific. Because, you know, that's like what the BGs no, talk about. No, staying it's... alive? No, it's not just that. Like, yeah. my, my goal is to see yeah. my grandkids. And I don't, and I don't hmm. mean like that, you know, my kids are going to be like teen parents. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, my goal is to, to stay alive yeah, yeah. long enough so I can meet, I can meet my grandkids. Actually, that is, I mean, I didn't get specific because I didn't, I just, that's my simple basic goal. But obviously, you know, you got to make yeah. it smarter and what have you. And I mean, I've done the same thing. Like I'm actually kind of dreaming about the day when I can be the grand grandma. I'm going to go by grandma because um, I don't care about how it might age me or whatever. Because yeah. age is lovely. And uh, I'm happy to get old when I get old. So yeah. bring it on. Um, I'm, I, I think we should, um, you know, make this have a chat next time about making this sort of more specific as to what our goals are um, and then how we use those goals to advocate as patients um, to make sure we're getting the best treatment possible because, you know, you kind of, like anything in life, you've got yeah, a goal, don't yeah. you? Um, you're not giving up, obviously, you hope to achieve things and, and so on and so forth. And we can really talk about what our goals are and what our driving force is to keep us going and also why we ask the questions we ask or why we don't put up what we shouldn't put up with in the cancer treatment or journey because we've got that ambition. And I'm not saying you need to be an ambitious cancer patient, um, but you well should be. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's your life. You know, you're the one who's responsible for it. You know, like you shouldn't just blindly, you know, just um, take whatever is said to you and just say, okay, you know best. And and of course, you don't want to like, yeah. you know, get in conflict with your with your your medical team or anything. But you want to have a sense of agency, and you want to be like you're the you're the CEO of your medical team, right? So you're, you're the CEO, yeah, pretty so much. Yeah, everybody needs to you know work together. And we're private patients, yeah. so we are. We are. <laughs> Um, we're employing them. Um, but anyway, um, in, I mean, I, I mean, last thing I'll probably say, actually, and this will promise, I'll promise it will be the last thing, everyone, is, um, you know, there are some things that you can control in a cancer journey, and there are some things exactly. that you can't control, yes. <laughs> um, cancer being one. Um, but you do your damn well best to take control of what you can control. Um, and I think sometimes as a cancer cancer patient it sometimes you have to kind of lose that control as well and that yeah. sometimes can yeah. be a hard thing as well being being um, being comfortable but you with can just control. and being you know comfortable with yeah. not always knowing what yeah you know, the next step is going to be that I'm learning the hard way yeah know? and I think it's yeah and I think um it's probably I mean I've never been to an AA meeting or needed to go or what have you but obviously the accept the things that you cannot change, change the things that you can and have the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. Um, that quote, that's, that's I think it comes, it might that's be the from the Bible. Prayer, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. The serenity. Yeah. Yeah. The serenity prayer. Um, that is, that is 
one to live by. Um, and that is one to live by. Well, Angie, it was lovely chatting with yeah. you today. Um, hopefully you get out of the hospital soon. But I think definitely for our next chat, we should talk about what our, I mean, we talked a bit about our dreams in the past, but mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. our whys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, oh, W-H-Y. And next, well, and, um, next month, November, is Lung Cancer yeah. Awareness Month. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. And it is also National Foster Care Month in the U.S. as well. So we'll tie that in somehow because those oh, are my passions okay. now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> those are my passions. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll we'll have that lung cancer chat then. We'll take a look at sort of – or actually we should ask people to take a look um, to see what, what awareness campaigns are out there. Um, have you noticed them mm -hmm. or have you not noticed yes, them? Yes. That is the question. Okay. Okay, Angie. Right, I'll speak with you soon. soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Okay. Bye. Cracking Cancer Chit Chat is where we are at, folks. Keeping it real and letting you in on how we really feel. It ain't easy for us, and we hope you never join our cancer team. Know what we mean? But if you or yours do, we're here for you. So check yourself and be the best version of you. It's all, it's all you, you can do. do. Bye, okay. Angie. Yeah. Bye. That, was, that wasn't okay. too bad, actually.